Today's Interim Whisperer Employer Tip of the Week is microaggressions. What are they? According to Cambridge Dictionary, it is a small act or remark that makes someone feel insulted or treated badly because of their race, their weight, their gender, where they're from, their ethnicity, any of these factors, and more, even though the insult may not have been intended. That microaggression can combine with other similar acts or remarks and over time cause emotional harm. So what are some examples of a microaggression? I don't see color. Well, that's ridiculous. We all see color. That's just saying that, you know, you're disregarding what that person's race or ethnicity is. You speak English quite well. You're making an assumption that somebody that looks different when they speak English they are not American. So those are really good examples of what a microaggression is. And it helps to just stop and really think carefully about what you're saying. Welcome to the Interim Whisper Show, Marco. Thank you. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. And I know you to be one of those people. You work super hard. Yeah. And you are all about innovation. And yeah. fun. And innovation yeah. is fun. It is fun. That is for sure. So you are the owner, a freelance writer, mm -hmm. and also your, I guess, newsletter, we'll call it. Yeah, I have a news website, a tech news website, and yeah, I create content for businesses and uh, taking my kind of journalism background and putting it to use on the other side of things, uh, you know, trying to help businesses tell their story. That's awesome. Yep. I look forward to doing that with you too. Yep. Um, it's called Orlando Tech News. Yeah, the website's called OrlandoTechNews.com. Uh, um, and it's a, uh, so I was a tech reporter for a while at the Sentinel. And I decided to take that and create that, that new site. Um, that's one side of what I do. The other side is, like I said, I, I, I stay downtown um, and there's some businesses I work with uh, in Orlando uh, to tell their story and craft their story and discover their story and that kind of fun stuff. That sounds interesting. I know we're going to be digging into that during our show. This is usually how we start the show. Mm. I want you to tell us, our listeners, five words that you use to describe yourself and why those five words. Okay. Uh, we've, we've rehearsed this. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, and, and I'm probably going to forget them anyway. But uh, the first thing is definitely family. I think that's, um, you know, it, it, I would probably be ostracized for my Hispanic race if I did not say that because family is very important to Hispanic, uh, the Hispanic community. Um, but, you know, I do have my family at home in Chicago, uh, which is where I was born and raised. Uh, parents passed, but um, we try to be close, as close as we can. Um, but, you know, like every everything, sometimes it could be could be closer. So, so the family is definitely one of the big, big um words to explain kind of my whole my whole being uh right now um the other ones are a little more fun i promise so uh the other one is um family can be fun i know i know but uh sometimes they're not fun <laughs> but family can be fun you should right. just make sure uh, some people would push back and say no my, fam my family is super fun no i like I, I like my family but um technology um is is clearly one um as i was a tech reporter for a multiple outlets for about uh, 10, 10, uh, nine, 10 years uh, before that I covered other 
more newsy or pardon more uh like city government type Tradu stuff yeah traditional, traditional news, news. Right? yeah so technology is is another one not just because that's what i did for a living but i do embrace technology um i think that if there's anything new out there i try to get involved in it early um which is why i got involved with peach which is no longer around but it's like i just i i try to adopt all these new platforms some of them with you know varying success mm-hmm. but um i do like i do like the technology i like where we are I do love tech and it's it, i'm very nerdy when it comes to um that kind of stuff who knew that being nerdy would eventually become cool, <laughs> right, right? Right. The nerds are the cool guys, man. I'm telling you what. And, and right, even now, you look at gaming. Gaming is my third one, which is obviously tech related. But I've been a video game uh, gamer for a very long time, since the mid Favorite game changes a lot. Right now, I'm doing uh, this game called Horizon Forbidden West, which is a sequel to another one. Um, I'm also... Uh, no, it's, oh, it's a, a PlayStation 5. Yeah, I, I'm a console gamer uh primarily i don't do a lot of uh mobile games i've tried them but they, they, they don't appeal to me probably because i'm just used to the, the the grand the grandeur of like these big long open world games and um so i do like i like long games like i'll put i'll put i think my record is like 150 160 hours into Whoa. one into one game which which by the way that is dwarfed by some people some people and that this was is not all in one setting right of course no no oh no, no. my god uh, you imagine? <laughs> i can imagine five days straight of, of gaming <laughs> yeah. um and that was uh the witcher 3 so that's definitely one of my favorites um i also like sports games i'm a i'm a, I'm a sports guy as well so that uh but right now um it's been cool because uh, I, i'm from orlando and orlando has electronic arts uh, which is a big video game company and it's been awesome to kind of see you know my interest from when i was a boy now turn into like combined to what i'm doing now that i'm in my 40s so those are three right we have tech family gaming mm-hmm. uh I'm well, tr- you mentioned sports sports and that was one of your key words yes so sports is another one um it's really uh i grew up with, uh, my dad was a big baseball fan and he introduced us to sports uh very early on i can remember one of my first memories of him was me uh, being really sad because my sisters and my mom were leaving Chicago to go to Mexico to go visit. And I wasn't going, so I was sad they were leaving. So my, but my dad kind of uh, settled me down by taking me to a Cubs game right after they left. So, How old were you? Oh gosh, probably, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it's probably wrong, but probably like a five or six range, if oh, not younger, okay. if not younger. I remember there's a picture of me with a little Cubs helmet. And it looks like those like little ice cream helmets, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I, was, I was a little guy. You know, that makes sense <clears throat> because, you know, when you're like five or six, you're still as a child, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally attached to that mom figure. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll tell you, and then that, that did not go away, even in my 40s. That's good, though. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that's, and I, play, I played baseball in high school, played a little bit of football, but once I was a junior in high school, I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't like big guys to hit me. So, mm. <laughs> so I stuck with baseball. I played four years. So, so yeah, there's, there's the fourth one. You're going to have to prompt me for the fifth one. Gave Writing. Hello, Writing, of course. your career. Right. Yeah. right. I can tell you like all of those other things and they feed into your writing. Mm. So to me, it's like, the, it's not unusual to see that as like, right. Well, last I mean, does not mean the last. Yeah. So I, I was writing, um, obviously for my career but the funny thing the funny story 
about how I started writing. This is way back in the late nineties. I was real, I was in my early twenties and um, I wrote for a blog, just a random blog. This is like in the late nineties. So there weren't a lot of blogs out there, but there was a blog out there that just took freelance submissions. I wrote and it was okay. You know, I don't have it, but I wish I did, but it's probably really terrible compared to what I can write now. Um, but in my mind, I got laid off from a, from a job um, uh, in, that, in, in, in manufacturing. At that point, that was like a really bad moment for manufacturing. So I got laid off from a job, and I didn't have a college degree. And so I said, I told myself that, and I'm like, I never want to ever be laid off again without a degree. So that's when I went back to school, which was like in my early 20, like 24, 25. Um, and at that time, I had written this one blog piece. And I, so they, I started thinking, like, what I should do. And I'm like, I like the Chicago Cubs. I want to write for the Cubs. How do I write for the Cubs? So I just I chose journalism. So it all started with sports. It ended up being like tech news. But um, but yeah, so that, that's how I got into writing. It was really just I, I needed a degree, right? Because I, I didn't have I didn't go right after high school. Um, but it was, uh, it was, yeah. So that's kind of where I, I almost fell into writing and I'm glad I did. It's a lot of fun. So where did you go to college? So I started, um, so funny story, the, the, the company that laid me off even before or I started going back to school, even though I made, I made my decision, I needed a degree, but the, they, they called me back. So the first like couple of years I was doing a community college in, um, Elgin, Illinois, which was Elgin Community College. Just taking, you know, I, I worked a night shift then. So I would go to the school during the day, go to work at night, uh, rinse and repeat the next day. Um, and then eventually I ran into uh, counselors at East Illinois University. I went to a writing conference, actually a journalism conference, a junior college journalism conference. And um, I noticed most of the speakers, the ones who were teaching the, the courses and the the seminars were from Eastern Illinois University. Mm -hmm. So I said, I might as well just transfer there and learn from them directly. Mm -hmm. So I transferred out there, um, quit my job, uh, you know, for the other job, uh, you know, to go and just kind of jump into this world and, and see, see what happened. Like, I didn't have a B plan. Like, I didn't have a plan B. This was, I should say this was my plan B, you know. So, so like, I, I worked my, my butt off in class. Um, I lied. Not in class. In the newsroom, in the school newsroom, I was really did, did as I, I, I tried my best. I didn't try great in, in class, to be honest. But um, but yeah, so I went to uh, to East Illinois University, go Panthers, and I uh, got my degree there. And that was the smallest school in Illinois with a with a journalism degree, not a communications degree. But you said it's a four year school, or yeah. Four year, four year. Okay. So I I went to uh, Elgin Community College for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. and then ran into the EIU guys, uh, uh, men and women, the, the professors, at the conference. So I transferred right after that to Eastern for about two and a half, three years, um, and that was um, uh, the smallest school in Illinois that had a daily newspaper. And so, like, I did the equation in my head. I said, if it's smaller, that means there's less competition for bylines, so I would get a lot more practice. And by the end of my, my, my time there, I was the arts editor, sports editor, editor-in-chief, assistant sports editor, campus editor, uh, entertainment editor. Okay, so, but let me ask yeah, you, yeah. how many people were on this? Uh, that sounds like a lot of roles. Yeah. No, no, not all at once. I mean, like for semester to semester. 
Okay. That's what I mean. So um, there, there was, you know, it was an okay staff uh, size wise. Uh, we, we put out a daily um, sometimes depending on like the fluctuations in the, our staff it could be like eight or 16 pages every day. Wow. Um, that's a, a size. Yeah. Of a, yeah. A, a school paper mm-hmm. yeah, for a small every school. Day? Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, but that was back in like the mid two thousands, you know, yeah. now, now that paper is all, all digital now. So there is that whole, there's been still, a lot of to put out a digital paper every day is a lot. Yeah, no. And it, it's, but, but that's the thing. It gives you practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I left there, I knew how to cover anything really. Um, and I didn't even knew how to design because I did some design work some nights too. So just kind of all pitching in where you could. So you mentioned a couple of other things at that <clears> school. <throat> was there a theater program? Uh Yes. There was a theater program at that school. Um, so were you covering, because I know you like music, yeah, yeah. anything in the theater? Was that no, not really. So so I did the, I was the editor of the arts section, the entertainment, or, and that was more entertainment section. How did you uh, get the role of editor? Had to apply. Uh, you have to apply. Uh, and who decides if you get it? Our, the advisor to the paper. Um, it was Joe Gisandi, who uh, actually used to live in Orlando as well before a very weird coincidence, but um, yeah. So I had an inter- interview. Same same kind of thing you would think in the professional world. Yeah, yeah. Traditional. Had job. an interview. How are you going to set up your staff? You know what? Any changes you have to that, that you would want to make and um, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, and it was a, it was a, I think I think when I applied, there was like two or maybe three others that did. And then I, I applied again later. I didn't get it, so I'm not pretending that everything went the, mm. <laughs> everything went the way I wanted it to. Um, but it was great. It was a really good experience out there for a lot of reasons. And even, even that, the editor in chief, uh, interview process that helped me out. Well, so I think that if you applied and you were picked by an adult that oversees the program, that must've said a lot of confidence. So, um, arrogance, I would say no, because (laughs) they saw somebody that was really good at organizing people, maybe Mm. managing them, obviously somebody that could provide good feedback. So they made a good choice, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't mean to like, like belittle or like downplay because I I do think that I just by the path of my life, I've learned how to deal with people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and how to wrangle people, if you will. And, um, I think, um, I see that, or I try to use that in kind of everyday life, mm-hmm. trying to like track down a source, right. Or figure out what source to call. And then, you know, be present for whenever that person happens to be available just to make sure that we, we get this meeting done. Right. Um, so I do feel like the, a lot of those skills are important to me now. Um, I just didn't know it then, right. Back then it was no big deal. I'm just, I'm just doing this. Right. But the more I, I look back on it, the more I realized that I was, I was practicing then what I do now in my career, which I think is what you need to do in college. So you kind of led into our next question, Mm. which is your educational background. You covered that and some of your industry, but there's a blank between college to where you are now. Mm. So talk about what that journey was like. It was awesome. It's been awesome. I mean, I think, I think um, I really, I'm going to say this in a uh, journalism kind of saved my life Mm. in a sense uh, in that, I had a direction then, right? Before then, I was working at a factory, which not a downplay of that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that wasn't what I wanted. What was it? Textiles? No, it was uh, metal machining. It was like metal uh, like stamp cars. Up. No, uh, car parts. You know, Got computer it. computer connectors, little, little tiny ones mm -hmm. that we don't ever see. We would make those for some big clients. So, um, but but that wasn't what I wanted to be, right? I, I, and at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to be. But I feel again, like um, like journalism just kind of like got in my way once, and I and I I fell for it right away. So I mean, yeah. So the career has been great. Um, I started, I want to say 2010 or something like that. So around then. Um, and initially I, I will, my first job was as, as an education reporter in a small town called Galesburg, Illinois, um, population about eight or 9,000, I think at the time, but, but there were, um, a lot of rural school districts around there. So that was my education beat. Um, and that was, that was, that was good because that was my first professional job. I had had an internship before that with the Associated Press, which, if anyone knows, it's one of the biggest news organizations in the yeah. world. Um, and, and I was this, this close to actually getting hired by them, but they just didn't have the budget at the time, or so they told me. I hope they didn't lie to me. <laughs> um, 50 years later, 2009, I am an uh, intern. And that, that happened in Clear Lake, Iowa, which is very, very north of Iowa. And Associated Press, the Iowa Bureau, they just covered all of Iowa. So that was one of my big, first big stories that went like worldwide. I wrote the 50th anniversary story of the this this real seminal moments in rock and roll history. Yeah, you could probably find me. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because because AP sent me everywhere. Oh, pardon me, AP the wire service went everywhere, so I'm not sure exactly. You'll see like in the India Times and um, but also like a bunch of papers like in every. We were we were a wire service, right? Oh, here I see yeah. it right now. Yeah. It's actually on this page. So that was me as an intern. I did that as an intern. So that had to be amazing. Oh my god, it was, it was spectacular. I, the, the 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 coolest thing about it, and this is, this is going to sound so dumb, but I drove from Central Iowa to Northern Iowa, like before I wrote the story. Okay, once I wrote the story, that, that was awesome, and all the all the feedback was great. But before I wrote the story, my first thought was like wow, they're going to pay me to drive all these miles. So like the reimbursement, I had never like done a like super long trip. But um, so I went to the city of Clear Lake. I talked to their mayor. I talked I'm to, at yeah, yeah. And right I, I, I called the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame people to get their, get their uh, thoughts on it. Um, and that whole internship was really quick, cool because I also got a chance to uh, do stories about like farming and like that I never ever thought I would write about, but it was really interesting. Potholes in rural rural rural, rural areas, <coughs> with you know infrastructure just is not that great in rural areas. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, so, so yeah, so that was that was my my uh, experience pre-professional. Then I went to Galesburg as an education reporter, and uh, I had done two internships with this um, thing called the Daily Herald. Okay. Yes, I, I. So this is what I want to say. I never took an internship that wasn't paid. Um, that's not a, a bold. How dare you not pay me? It just ha happened to have paid offers. Yeah, I never. I did have a couple offers of like unpaid. I, I couldn't. I couldn't afford it. To be honest, I mean, remember my my. This was my second life, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't like I had this other, you know, career going on, and I can like like and and more power to people who do because that that's great. I just I, that just wasn't me. Yeah. Um. So I needed I needed to prioritize internship to pay me, and they paid well. They paid they paid pretty well. Um, at, at the Associated Press. Other internships paid me 
well enough, right? Um, I had two internships with my hometown Daily Herald, which was great. I had one internship with the Northwest Herald, which was my hometown paper from way back in the day. So, wow. so I had four internships uh, before I became a professional. Um, and so the, the Daily Herald, where I was there for two, two summers, that was the, and if I'm rambling, I apologize, but um, I, that, they hired me right after Galesburg. So I was there for a few years covering like local government. And, um, Do people in journalism, are they, I have no idea. I, and I know I'm talking about a time that's a different. Yeah, time. sure. Are they paid well? Is it considered a good paying job? No, it's not. I think, I think, and you, you see a lot of, a lot of talk about union, unionization um, in, in journalism right now. And a big part of it is that um, there's for a long time. And, and I'm going to say things that might get me in trouble, but whatever. Uh, for a long time, there was a expectation of work instead of, you know, let us pay you for the work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where love the game type thing mm -hmm. where you love it so much. So, you know, it's like sorry. teaching, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. As a teacher. No, they don't ever get paid what they should. Be yeah. Paid. And it's like, sorry, we don't have raises this year or or only a limited amount. And even the, the raises that do or do not keep up with the cost of living. But you do it because you love it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There is an element. but the end of the day, you need to get paid, you need to get, right? It's like, I think most of the raises I got during, I, I received during my, my career were a result of me moving to a new job. I think <clears> the <throat> first time when I met you, um, it was at, I think it was a TEDx event. Okay. I think, but probably I'm totally <clears throat> wrong because I remember, well, what I remember was um, I was talking with Dana. Mm. Um, Dana Rockamore, yeah. and she and I were there. Uh, I remember Greg Pollock came up, and then you had come up. Mm. It must have been, it couldn't have been a TED event then. I'm going to guess it was probably a, a starter studio event. I mean, I would guess it's a meetup of some sort. Because right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know when I first got here, there were a lot of those. Uh, like they had just started, from what I understand, they had just started a lot more organization of those kind of meetups and those kinds of events and, 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 uh, mm -hmm. Um, which is good for me because I was trying to get ingrained in the community, right? Um, so it was on me to jump out there and be out there talking so to people. How did you end up in Florida, though? Because you're in the middle of the <clears throat> basket of the United States, yeah. right? So. so that is also an interesting story, I think. Yeah. I had, um, I wanted to get to Chicago to get back home. Mm -hmm. um, and the Chicago Tribune owns their Lionel Sentinel. Oh yeah, I remember. So in my mind, let's go down to Orlando. They have a tech tech position open. And then after a couple of years, see if I can transfer to Chicago to go get close to my family. And that was a route a lot of people did take. I, mean, they're, they're, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but there were a few people who did transfer from Orlando to Chicago. And now they're on, they're working for the Tribune. It never got to that for me because I got down here and and I mean a couple of things happened. Number one, I ended up really digging Orlando. Right. And as much as I love, love Chicago, I love that it's, it's what, what day is it? Uh, March 15th and I'm wearing shorts. Right. Yes. And it's cold. It's cold. I was as born hell. in Kansas. I right. lived in Missouri. Right. I've lived all over. Everywhere was always cold. And this is like, no, I right. do not want to live anywhere else. I, I agree. So, I mean, that, that, that's one reason I fell in love with it. I'm also like a, like a experience nerd. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, like I love, I love the theme parks. I went, 
the first like several months I made sure I went to every single one at least once just to get, get the lay of the land and everything. Mm-hmm. But I also like the little uh you know Ferris wheel or or the the Orlando Eye and mm-hmm. like that whole I drive area. I like you know Gatorland. So I mean like I like the experiences I like um uh so that that kind of helped make my decision as well. Mm-hmm. Um and and yeah I mean that that, that was uh that, that was the reason I came down to Orlando. So how is journalism different from social media content? Because I mm. think that we've had this other UCF pro- professor come on the show and he teaches journalism. Right. He, I'm not kidding. Every student that was in the communications program at UCF would come and say, oh, you got to have Rick Brewer on the phone. I mean, on your show. You got to have him. Who? Rick Brewer just a minute i'm gonna make sure i'm saying his name right so i'm gonna go check um but anyway he was one of the most favorite professors mm-hmm. brunson rick brunson i know rick i know rick yeah i have his name wrong sorry sorry rick <laughs> rick brunson he is a favorite professor right at ucf and I had him on the show, and I understood why <laughs> he was so entertaining. No, I met him. I met. I met him. I think I met him a couple of times in the newsroom. Yeah, just passing because he used to work in the Sentinel, I believe. Right, I believe. Um, so, yeah, the difference between journalism and social media content, um, I think, uh, has to do with intent. You know, I think. What do you mean? I think journalism still, at its core, is informational. Is is to afflict the comfortable comfort the afflicted right that old school saying um it, it is about uh social awareness it's about um community um doing good for the community um where social media content i don't like i, I don't i don't see a parallel there between journalism and social media content in the sense that i think social media content is its own animal and anybody has a megaphone, right? And I think that's good to an extent, but it's also bad sometimes, you know? Um, so, yeah, there's similarities there in, in that they're both informational and they're both, you know, and frankly, when I hear about um, something that the, that the Cubs did, for example, I'm going to go on social media first. That's just how I am. And I think that's how a lot of people are. But but the 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 trick is to not, confuse that with thinking that the the sources I see on Twitter are as reliable as the sources I see like at a formal news agency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I answered the question at all, but it's basically, you know, I do like, I think there's room for both, right? I do. I feel um, this, it, it, the, the one thing, the worst thing I feel you can do in, in an age that's so open and accessible is to slow down accessibility. But there's also, you have to be careful and curate your news source very diligently. Um, so there were some really popular movies, you know, that have been around journalism. Mm-hmm. And one of them, let's see, when when it was all about Watergate, mm-hmm. I can't remember the name. Oh, was that with Robert Redford? Yes. All, all the President's Men. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm going to do a little quick search. Sure. Movies on journalism. But um, they called somebody Deep Throat. Yeah. I remember that? Yeah. That's <laughs> so, the guy who was a source. So they had, let's see, gosh. All the President's Man is what it was called. It was with Robert Redford and who was that dude? Dustin Hoffman, I think maybe. Yeah. I might be completely wrong. 
Mm, I think you're right. Yeah. Because one of them played one of the journalists for sure. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right. These are a little bit hard to find. Here. <laughs> There's a Zodiac. I never heard of that movie. Yeah, that was more recent. You're Kill probably the messenger. You're probably never seen that one. So I like that one. I like Network was was more of a TV. Frost news. Nixon. Frost Nixon is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Almost famous. That's a good almost, one. yeah yeah he was a, he he worked for Rolling Stone, the guy who's who the story is based on. Hmm. And he followed like a band for a, a well, tour. you know some good journalism movies apparently, so that's really good. Yeah, <laughs> Under Fire, Salvador. Yeah, I don't like. I I know I know a select. Like, if you give me a pop quiz of like obscure journalism movies, I would have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> um, neither would I. Right. I was an English major. Right, that doesn't mean. English, just because you're an English literature person, <laughs> that doesn't mean you know anything about journalism. So that's why I go, I know there's definitions of what journalism is. Right. To me, it's um, more about the making sure that it's tied to legitimate sources. Yeah. Um, you have to make sure you've done a fact check, that you've cross fact check. So the way I, the way I, the way I say it is that news consumption today is a more active, active activity than ever. Mm -hmm. Where you have to be really actively vetting who you're reading, who you're, who you're watching, um, what you're listening to. So we're going to take a little brief break okay. here just to acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the second half of our show here. Um, this has been a great conversation. We may not make it to the second half of the stuff because I had other questions. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying not to monopolize it all. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's supposed to just, you know, ebb and flow, right. however. So um, something that, and you've talked about your favorite news outlets. So you've kept us on track unknowingly. Right, so right. You know. I, I want to make sure that you have. That or was it knowingly? Maybe, but see, you did not know everything. Well, no, we did, you know, go over everything. So there's little known things that I've learned from working next to you mm -hmm. at, at uh, Orlando Game Space. Shout out to Orlando Game Space. Yeah, yeah. shout out for Orlando Game Space. We love it there. Um, that you are a big aficionado of musicals. That you, when doing some little research, did stand-up comedy. And obviously, we're talking about movies. So why those things? Because I was thinking for sure, for sure, you must have done either karaoke or you did some type of, you were on the stage acting or you were so in I, something that was singing. So I took improv classes, however, okay. in Orlando. Again, a lot At of the stuff... At SAC, yeah. Okay. I've never, no, I've never been on the theater. I've never been a performer. I've never been. Does your mom like it? Um, Does she like theater? Yeah. Not really. I mean, she likes, she likes, she's more, she was more into music. Than... Because I know you're close to your mom. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe you shared mutual. Aid. No, no, I get it. I get that. But no, this, this came out of, uh, I think, just experiencing it. Mm. less than than you know uh, some tradition that our family had you know we never had a tradition for this that kind of thing um it just i, I i've always liked music mm -hmm. right and I, as a storyteller i like music that tells a story mm -hmm. and what's that it's a musical show yeah you know what i mean it's a broadway musical they tell stories with music so like that those are always the things i gravitated toward um and that's why i like movies as well right like like i 
right now I'm on a weird kick where like every couple months I run into Fiddler on the Roof on on on, on streaming and I'm like, ah, let me watch this one as well. And it's really cool. Um, so yeah, that, it didn't come from anywhere. I don't know. Like, and, and as far as so here's a funny story. I took improv classes at SAC. That's really the only performance I've ever done, right? Because at the end of the class, you, you're in front of the crowd. Um, but that helped me in my interviewing. Because I think that is something that people understand or don't know that like when you're interviewing somebody, as you know, you have to be able to think on your toes. Like you could have, I remember when I teach, so I teach journalism students every summer, right? Yeah. High school journalism students. And one thing I tell them is, Get your bullet points ready, right? Because that's a nice that's a nice uh, crutch for young journalists who are trying to learn how to interview, right? Mm-hmm. But I say be very, very prepared to not even use any of those bullet points. And by bullet points, I mean like have like five questions set up that you want to ask your subject. Um, but the trick with that, the trick with really doing good work in interviewing is being able to be flexible and be uh, agile and say, okay, this guy just said something really cool. Let me go on down that route. So the improv classes helped with that because it helped because you're more present in, in the conversation, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever taken improv classes, but the thing. You know, I, I went down when um, Sachs had some. I don't know. I wasn't doing it, mm-hmm. but I was in the audience yeah. and they were talking about how improv is so important to have in your business. I guess, day-to-day business. Mm. And so that you can think, like you said, on your feet and all of these things. Do I think I would do it? No, because I'm also terrified of getting up in front <laughs> on karaoke and I'm right. like, I am a horrible singer and everybody's <laughs> going to know it. Yeah. No, I've gotten, I've gotten more comfortable with that over, over, over time. Um, <clears throat> Which is really funny because I have a podcast, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I right. yeah. just do this, but on stage. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the whole, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, when you go through certain things, uh, it changes your priorities, mm-hmm. um, and really, you really understand what the priorities should be. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm in a I'm in a very um, informed I'm in a very informed um, period of my life, right? Where I've had tragedy, I've had sadness, and all that kind of stuff, and that happens. Uh, but when it happens, you start to realize that going on stage is no big deal. No. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, when you see this, like the, the true kind of terror is, 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 you know, when something bad happens. Right. Yeah. So that's a, my confidence is a lot higher. My, my ability to speak to whomever is a lot better because of the, the, the those kind of situations I went through. Um, and, but, and the truth is like having um, improv in my background now, it, it's really, it's also really cool to tell people. <laughs> it is because some people go, oh, wow, you do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> so when you, when I saw this picture of you yeah. and it said that you were doing improv, um, what was your, I guess, topic or theme that you followed? So um, I'm trying to remember because that was, that was the, uh, the SAC Comedy Lab has their workshops in like eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks. And at the end of it, they just, they have the show um, and one of the the last things that we did was um, we did like a like a little tower of people, and it would just be like say keep the sentence going, right? 
Wait, are you meaning that everybody was like doing some type of uh, cheerleading and everybody was stacking on top of each no, other? No, 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 no. It's like, it's like I, I'm, I'm cross-legged. There's someone on a chair above me. Someone standing above him. Right. So like, okay, yeah, gotcha. that kind of thing. Um, but it, it was uh, basically let's tell a story together that we don't know what it is. Yeah. And like I said, it makes you pay attention to the person in front of you. Right. Because okay. you want to not be the one to end the end the chain. Right. Yeah. And you hopefully no one is a chain. And you end up. Entered. But the, the, the secret to that, the secret is to understanding that if you mess up, the crowd's going to laugh anyway. Yeah. And they're going to enjoy that as well. So that that's the secret to improv, I think. Not 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 that here I am, you know, expounding or like yeah. being like the expert on improv because I took one freaking class, right? <laughs> but um, but that was one thing that you learn is that that if you mess up, they're gonna laugh because they're right. there to laugh. Um, and so it really makes you kind of allows you to get out of your skin and just mm-hmm. be like, just be there, just do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, open mic. I did a stand-up comedy set. Now that more is more to your question, I think, like what the mm-hmm. topic was, right? Yeah. Um, I wrote my routine. It was about eight, nine minutes. I wrote it in about a few weeks, right? Like over over time, just kind of I had like a little piece of paper with me and I'm like, oh, this is funny. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was really interesting because I, I and I always say this, like, I don't know if anybody laughed because I couldn't tell. But I hope at least, but if one person laughed, that was enough for me for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 and I also lowered, lowered the deck, so to speak. I had like 10 of my friends out there, like in the back row and they, they were, they were rooting me on. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's been fun. I, I love comedy. I love making people laugh. I try to be, try to be upbeat and, and snarky with not, without being offensive. Right. I don't want to, I don't really want to offend anybody. And I mean, my day. Yeah, but does anybody? I would hope not. I would hope the answer would be no. Well, some people go for a laugh anyway, right? Some people are just looking for a laugh, and and but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, and and I hope I'm wrong. I'm Uh, yeah yeah. I I think yeah, you're you're spot on. I was watching. This is totally unrelated to what we're talking. No, it's not totally unrelated. So I was looking for something to watch, and it was on. I believe it was on. Netflix mm-hmm. and it was a, a woman that was a comedian and she talked about mental illness okay. and I found it so refreshing because she's bipolar mm. and she was talking about things that would be mm, colorful for sure yeah. you know uh, some things that were sexual but also about death mm-hmm. and just different aspects and I went she is really funny yeah so I admire the fact that people can go up there which is why I had asked you, did you have a theme or some type of a topic that was related to what you were? It, it was, it was. Um, because she's talking about mental health and the fact that her mother. But died. hold on before, but let me, let me, yeah. let me pinpoint it. She's talking about her experience, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's where it comes from. You look at uh, any, any funny comedian, I feel, if you really break down what they say, not, again, I'm not saying I'm, I'm some professional, but like, oh, if yeah. you break down what they say, it's about their personal experience, right? One, one of the, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was huge forever for what? Yeah. Little daily daily observation that he made in his daily life, right? Dave Chappelle. Still so popular. Dave Chappelle. Classic. Same same thing. He had his own experiences, and he turned that into a hilarious hilarious TV show, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's doing stand up comedy again. Um, you know, so when I was writing it like, again, again, there was just one one outing, but it was really cool. When I was writing it, I, I that's what I tried to do. I tried to just not make up jokes. 
but tell stories. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that goes to what I do. I'm a storyteller. I mean, that, that's what I think if you had to pinpoint one word that described me, I think it would be storyteller. Right. And those I just happen to try to make funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I know when you and I sit uh, next to you, you'll, you'll start asking yeah. some questions. And, and I think I'm more of the um, just the sounding board for you, yeah. to be honest. Uh, but you you raise always some interesting questions like, well, what about this? What did what about this? And I think it's just how you process what that story that you're going to share mm-hmm. in, in print is going to be. I think one of the one of the things to me that I think uh, makes me a skilled storyteller, I feel, um, is I don't just jump on the first story. I can talk. I can interview somebody. Oh no, I bounce ideas past you. You go, no, that's not really what I'm thinking about (laughs) because you you have a plan. Well, not only that. So so like if I'm interviewing somebody, like and I hear something interesting, that that's not necessarily gonna be the story because I know there could be something more interesting coming later mm-hmm. right so I, now it's it's smart when i hear a nugget that could be a really good focus of a story to dive into it and get as much detail as possible in case that ends up being the nugget but at the same time i'm also open to let's keep talking to see what else i can jostle out of your mind right mm-hmm. um so that's yeah so there's that element of building you have to build almost you're internally building a case for a story mm-hmm. right like this story was great, but okay, now we got this story. Now in your mind, you're balancing, which one do I, so, so when you figure that out, it just jumps on the, on the, the paper, on the, the, the file. No, I think you're very thoughtful in how you, I'm not being kind to you. Yeah, no, sure. yeah. yeah. I yeah. think you're very thoughtful in how you approach it and you're mapping it out in your head. <laughs> And you also want to make sure that you're um, being very specific about mm-hmm. your, what the message is supposed to be. And, you know, we know that you and I both know that right. every word has power. Mm-hmm. So we should be very mindful yeah. of the words. Right? You have to be deliberate. Like you have yeah. to like, you know, there are if, if I if I'm on a, if not if I'm not on a time crunch, like I'll read my story three, four, five times before I hit send. Oh my God. Yes. And go. And what I like to do is read from the back to the front. Yes. So that you, you get to read each of those sentences and paragraphs independently. I read out loud yeah. and I read really slowly. How do you like to communicate with others? Because yeah. I know my mind is going a million miles <laughs> a second. I don't know about you, yeah. but I have to sit here and go, all right. For me to focus, I have to read slowly mm-hmm. and out loud for me to make my mind slow down and pay attention to, is this the right word? Mm. Is this yeah. spelled correctly? Yeah. And I think, I think the, to take it to another level, it's, is this, is there a better word for this right word, exactly. right? A word might be right, but is there a better one? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when you, when. When I really buckle down and do that, and again, I, I don't do it all the time, admit, admittedly, but when I do, like, I read the story, I'm like, that was really damn good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that is, yeah, that is, I mean, that's the, again, it comes back to listening, yes. right? When you're listening, when you're actively listening with a purpose and the purpose is I want to find a good story, you, you, you know where to say, hold on, hold on one second. 
let's elaborate on that because that could be my lead mm-hmm. right and you start asking like okay what color was the car like how old was you know what i mean and, and mm-hmm. that, all that kind of stuff um and that's um i i hope i you know i think that that would be a really good secret to good storytelling like i'm going to teach some someone next some class of a little seminar and feature writing and i think that's part of where i want them to understand is that you know you have to be actively listening so i'm gonna we're gonna switch to the future questions yeah sure you can you can pick one okay so do you want to talk about the impact that COVID's had on business in the future mm-hmm. remote blended on-site flexible work what do you think it's going to look like for the future okay I think you're going to pick this one. <laughs> um, robots, AI, augmented yeah, reality, so. virtual reality, or some other type of technology. How can it be positive or negatively impacting impacting our industry in the future? Yes, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, I think... Uh, you get to go in any direction. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, th- I think I think they're tools. I think they're always tools. I mean, they're... they're um, no, you know, the more... AI is embedded in, in some of these things, the, 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 the more independent these tools will be, right? But they have to be programmed. I, I think they are very powerful systems, very powerful processes and processors, right? right. And um, a lot of very smart people that are not me are going to hopefully push them toward the, the right direction toward helping right there will be will there be nefarious of course mm-hmm. um will that be an issue could be like mm-hmm. i i don't like i'm not you know i'm not trying to pretend it's like a poly in the future that everything's I perfect say, did we all see terminator right probably right right it's right highly like right so um so yeah so that's that's the whole uh you know but i don't worry I don't fear it. This is just what's going to happen. Like me worrying about somebody uh, uh, taking an, an, an AI drone, right? Or AI or probably a drone and doing something terrible with it. That doesn't change whether it's going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just think the technology is there. I'm happy the technology is there. I'm glad that we're talking about artificial intelligence. I'm glad we're talking about sensors. I'm glad we're talking about, I'm I'm glad that Alexa's there in the morning to tell me what time it is. I'm too lazy to find my clock. Find really? My, my, you yeah. have Alexa that yeah. talks to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, every now and then I tell her, ask her to tell me a joke. And they're dumb jokes, but I laugh anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, but so I like this connected future that we are in and heading deeper into. And I like the, the metaverse. I like, you know, all, all the on all the trappings that come with it. I mean, I think, I think it's just part of where we're going. Um, I think what prepared me for a lot of the, the, the next gen stuff is being a gamer mm-hmm. where very early on you learn how to exist in the world, <laughs> in the world that's not your own, right? You're, yeah. You might be in the mushroom kingdom with Mario, yeah. but that's, that's another world that you're existing in. So I think gamers are going to have a leg up when it comes to this next Oh, Level. they're like futurists, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. To me. Yeah. People that are in science fiction, um, definitely game development, animation, yeah, anything in that space, Disney, honestly, too. They're futurists. What they the content that they put out is part of what shapes our thinking mm. and what we believe. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at um 
I'm trying to think of an example, but like you look at uh, one one thing that I, I, I there was a, a, a Disney guy who came up and spoke at, at a seminar once, um, and he said there are there are employees right now working on, and this makes sense. The what's the most effective uh, way to position lines, the lines that we wait in, right? Oh, the queue line. Yeah, what's the most efficient way to do that? Okay. Um, that stuff's going to be dispersed to anyone who wants it when they discover the right pattern. And that's a very small level right. thing here. That's just simulation, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're talking about digital twins, which is basically a digital version of everything that you've ever been around is going to be created so that we can experiment with different line formations scenarios. and scenarios, uh, whether it's like bomb attack, right? And, but you have, you know, Valencia College Digital Twin, so people know, like, here, here's, here's a way to evacuate or whatever, right? With fire drill or something like that, right? Yeah. We're really in, a, in an age where um, you can pretty much practice for anything mm-hmm. virtually. <laughs> um, you know, you don't... Now, yes, you need to... Like, back in the day when we used to put our head o- hands over our head as if that's going to fend off a nuclear attack, right? Yeah. But So those are the drills. I think, that, I think a lot of the drills are going to go, like, more virtual um, because, oh, I agree. because all of these... This, because the stuff we're talking about, AIs and sensors and all that, is getting a lot smarter. And because they're getting smarter, they're going to be a lot more accurate. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, as the kids say, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love, I love the uh, evolution of, of technology. You know, the ability to transport, like in old Star Trek movies, yeah. that's the thing that I, I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh-uh. It doesn't mean that it's not. It will never happen. It, it, it will never happen. I think it absolutely will. <laughs> they did something where they like they transported like an atom from like one spot to like seven feet away. And I'm like, nah, no, they didn't do it. No, no, they worked. It worked. OK, so why would you say it? Doesn't? Because the biology of a human body is not going to not going to put up. Okay, with did it. you say an atom? A-T-O-M. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. so that's one tiny little thing. Right. I I. I would be terrified I, I, if they were doing that with anything that's a living being. Well, I would, so I would look take it up. An apple yeah, yeah. And go, okay, let's transport this apple seven feet. Okay, does the apple taste like an apple? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think it would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. I, I'm waiting for that to come into existence because we've already seen all of the augmented reality, virtual reality, right. um, those types of technologies are are here they're actually in play but the one about moving something <laughs> to another location i go i don't know i am confident though that is being worked on yes, yes. we just don't know about well, what it. i what i'm interested in because i've seen this actually it's it was either camera tricks or it worked is invisibility invisibility cloaks right oh that would be so like, cool. there, there, there's work being done on that at least in japan at least there was a few years ago and they showed some again like I'm not sure how much was was video editing, mm-hmm. how much was it real, but it looked it like ref, it reflects like the whatever lights coming at it, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't. I'm I'm not a scientist, so by the way, leads me to like one of my favorite sayings that I always say. Like I'm I'm I've been a tech reporter for a long time, and I follow technology, but I always say that I'm the dumb guy who writes about smart people, because 
if you ask me about like what's the tech news, sure, I can help you with that. But if you ask me how the hell to build a metaverse, I don't. I don't Who know. does? I mean, right. that takes a lot of people right. doing that. Right. But what I'm saying is like it's like there's always. I remember there was uh, like in, even the office, even the office, we were like thought thought like I'd be I'd be there for tech support. I'm like, no, I'm not tech support. I'm a tech reporter. I, like tech support again, I cannot fix your computer, but I can write a damn good story about it. So yeah, so that's uh, but yeah, so yeah, it, I think it's interesting. I think I think it's exciting, and I think, you know, personally, I, if any business were to ask me, I'd be like, you better find a way to exist in it, because the, the if you don't, your competitor will. Oh gosh, it's just it's just a new world. You can you can dismiss it all you like, but Blockbuster dismissed a lot of things before they went out of business. <laughs> so. Rest um, in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. So it, there is that whole element of um, if you don't, someone else will. Oh yeah. So, and again, like that's not even me being like an ardent super fanboy of this new world, right? I'm just saying it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen if you either exist in it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm a business, I'm trying to make sure I'm present in all areas where people can give me money. <laughs> That's true. So, okay. So, best mentoring advice you want to share with our listeners? Best mentoring advice to share with listeners? No. Well, with our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> with our listeners. Yeah. Your listeners. Whatever. It's all good. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to say it's very general and it's going to re- be really terrible advice, but let me elaborate just do right Mm -hmm. if you have something that you want to try we are in in an age right now where you can try it Mm -hmm. um especially if you happen to be in a student uh, you have to be a student Mm -hmm. you are at both a time of your life and a time of human existence where anything you want to try most things you want to try is is feasible um at least to see if it works right i am very much uh admire startups because they start something up. They don't know if it's going to work, but they like they know it's going to work, but they don't know if it's going to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where in their mind's eye, they know this, this is the thing that's going to make it for them. But, you know, things can happen, but they try it anyway. So I would definitely say that. I mean, that, that's something that I think is, is very important. Like, if again, like I tell my journalism students, rip the bandit off, right? If, if you want to do something, go. If, if you want to interview a rock star, contact them. Worst thing that happens is no. Yeah. Right. And you might get a thousand no's, but there's going to be one that will tell you, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of times you get some of these ideas that they're 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 terrible ideas until they're good. Mm-hmm. Right. And they don't change anything but the but the, the audience, right? Um, where if I'm pitching uh something to an investor, for example, um 70 investors can tell me it's crap, and then but the 71st funds my next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't, you just don't know. Um, and that goes back to just do, right. Just go out there and, and be, be present. And yeah, I mean, so that, that's, I mean, that's, that's what would be my advice. I mean, like, I mean, when I started my business, I didn't know what the hell was going to happen, you know, right. but I'm glad I did know. Mm-hmm. So how can people contact you? Do you want to share your website? Yeah. Be careful about sharing the email because, you know, it does go out there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, um, yeah, OrlandoTechNews.com. I'm hoping to relaunch here, uh, depending on when this airs, I think. Uh, We're uh, like four weeks. Okay, okay. So by then it'll be launched. 
So AtlantaTechNews.com is one place to, to check out what I'm up what I'm up to. But um, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, uh, just go find me on Marco Santana. Um, I, I have a lot of uh, inbox uh, messaging that I do with people that just have, want advice on journalism or, or, or even lately it's been, you know, starting a business. And because, I mean, not that I'm the, the best expert, but I can help. And if I can't, I know a lot of people, you do know a lot of people. <laughs> in Orlando's tech community that, that get, I, I won't guarantee it, but I'll be very, I'll be very surprised if I couldn't find someone to help you. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, LinkedIn uh, and, uh, and um, uh, the, the website, if you'd like, but yeah, that, that's kind of the places. I that assume I you've got a contact us page on your, or an email, some way that people can connect with you there. Yeah. Are yeah. Sign up for your news list. Uh, we have a newsletter sign up there. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, I do a lot through my personal email address still, I mean, which is not a big deal, but you can find it. You can, you can, if you, if you really you try, Google you can try it, it down. You can find it. Right. That's right, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm very open to chatting about whatever um, because I, again, I just want to help. And also I want to find people who can help me. I mean, frankly, I mean, yeah, that's so, good yeah. because, you know, we're built for relationship mm -hmm. in life and we should be able to help one another. It shouldn't yeah. just be a one way street. I think there is room. And here's, this is another important message I want to say, as long as I have the platform here, uh, there's room for everyone to, to succeed. Mm -hmm. I think there's too many times, especially in the past, I've seen competition get people like in a weird space space, but like there's enough business for me, for me to, to succeed and for this person to succeed, even in the same sector doing the same thing I'm doing. Cause there's a lot of uh, people who need help with storytelling. Mm -hmm. So that is very true. Oh, oh. Well, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to our production team, our video interns of Chase McDowell, David Ullman, Efren Cuevas, and Keisha Perez. Uh, our music is by Sophie Lloyd. Sound effects by Eric Peterson, Matt Miller, Dave Francis, and Miguel Sintra. And if you would like to have your inclusion tip of the week shared on our show, be sure to record it. Um, be able to send it your audio file to info at internpursuit.tech, T-E-C-H, and include your name, your job role, and where you work. And we're going to email you our Intern Pursuit game backgrounds or send you a t-shirt. So visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech and learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future. Marco, this has been awesome. I appreciate it. Yep. I I've been it. asking, you know, I asked you before. Yeah, yeah. We were waiting. I'm going to look forward to the day I get Dave Vance on here too. <laughs> yep. he, he's been uh, somebody I've been wanting to have also. So I don't always get um, a lot of journalists or people that are in press and right. media. And it's always something that people ask for. So <laughs> I'm really glad that you were a guest. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I fun. Again, if anyone wants to reach out, you can find me. Okay. Well, thanks so much.